When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So, yeah, I used the savings from switching to Progressive 50 years ago to finally buy my dream car. It's a self-driving flying car, but we just say self-flying now. You know, because it's the future, and cars fly in the future. So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. And what's up, what's up? Happy Luke Doty Thursday as it is now known at the South Carolina uh, Football Ops Building. Hope everybody's having a great day. It is GC Live. We are brought to you by Affordable Medical Equipment. Check them out at AffordableMedicalUSA.com, 803-926-1493. Again, AffordableMedicalUSA.com, 803-926-1493. They are, of course, home of the Game Day Chair, and they help make our usually daily show possible. We took a little break yesterday, back in action today. Hope everybody is uh, doing well out there. Hopefully, we still got some folks um, joining us in our hopefully one day to be named and sponsored, potentially, chat room. Um, what's up to uh, the unofficial uh, degenerates group, I believe is, is what they've been called. Um, Chris, never a dull moment in Gamecock Nation right now. Man, you said it. Every single night for the past, I don't know, however many days, it's been, I've absolutely been crashing, like just just dead tired at the end of the day, mentally draining, pretty taxing. But it's, it has been interesting, man. Never a dull moment. Like you said, that's a good way to sum it up. Still going through the, rolling through the coaching search here. We're, you know, it, it's still relatively, it's not super old. You know, it's not a, it hadn't been a month like like it was in 2015. It was almost two months at that point. Don't know how we got through that one, but uh, there's been some fun times too along with this one. So, uh, looking forward to in the coming days, you know, seeing a resolution, seeing this thing get to the end. Yeah, the um, obviously search rolls on. I, I think South Carolina is still hopeful. I personally am still very hopeful myself that uh, that there will be. I know you are too, Chris. That there will be some resolution to this coming up in the uh, the not-so-distant future. Um, obviously, obviously, South Carolina has a football game on Saturday. Uh, Kentucky, that really could be an intriguing game just from the potential weather forecast along. I, I think you can tell, Chris, when the uh, sort of the end of the year, neither team has a ton to necessarily play for at this point when the big topic of discussion on media day is the weather. And then of course, um, what, what actually would be a really cool accomplishment would be Kevin Harris. Um, so that I, I think, uh, you know, him, him getting to a thousand yards, potentially 10 game season, SEC schedule, obviously only. And I think, um, a situation where, um, it's hard to compare one season to another, because it's it's been such a different year, but would be incredibly impressive if Kevin Harris could get to that number. And um, he currently sits 72 yards away. Hopefully he'll get that on Saturday. We shall see. Um, we'll, I, we'll also be joined by CatsIllustrated.com's Justin Rowland. He'll be on in about 10 or 11 minutes to give us a little bit of perspective on Kentucky and really what we know uh, or what he knows about them and, and what their program has been through this year as well. Um, let's talk a little bit of coaching search, Chris, because I, I know that's at the top of everyone's mind right now. Even Tyler weighing in here on Facebook um, says that uh, he hates to say it, but it's Napier's job to lose. Um, I don't know to, 
to the extent of what detail you want to give, but uh, I think it's safe to say that we can disagree with that notion that, um, you know, I, certainly they're still going through the due diligence. The process is not over. And we've, um, we sort of said earlier in the week when it was, when it, you had rumors and I, w- I would say reports loosely, you had like social media reports of it's a done deal. It's Shane Beamer. And, you know, I, I think we sort of tried to dial it back a little bit and say, look, guys, the, they're going to go through, they're going to complete the process of this search. Shane Beamer was in the lead at the time. He's still in the lead at this time. The search is not over. It's not official. But also, um, all signs continue to point towards Shane Beamer at this time. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't agree with the notion that Billy Napier is out in front heading into the final few days um, you know, of the search. We knew that South Carolina, early in the week, like you said, Wes, um, when all this stuff was coming out, we could say, look, here, here's where things are, but they're going to complete the process. You're not going to hire anybody. What was the one day, you know, by this Wednesday, which was yesterday, you know, that was something that had been rumored. There was not any truth to that. We knew that does South Carolina have sort of a, a time frame they would like to meet to have this thing done? Yes, and it is by this weekend if things go well, and they are progressing towards that point now, but there are still some more interviews to be conducted this week. Um, the We fully realize and are cognizant because of all the questions we got on the Insiders Forum last night, throughout yesterday evening last night, um, about some stuff that had been said about Billy Napier. We got a lot of questions about that, but uh, confident that he's not – a front runner, the front runner right now going into going into this week. And in fact, you know, if you, if you categorize a front runner, all the other candidates involved are, are still at this point chasing Shane Beamer. That's just sort of the reality of the situation. So, um, and Tyler, appreciate you said he subscribed actually today. We really appreciate your support, man. Hope you're enjoying the content so far. Uh, we had a report last night for Tyler and all the other subscribers, Gamecock Central, on the Insiders Forum that gives you a little bit more detail on sort of what's been going on and just some more stuff on timeline and uh, just some generalities with the coaching search and things to know. Yeah. So um, if, if you're, if you want to be like Tyler and want to be like um, really a absolute ton of people that have signed up in the last couple of weeks since the news broke that, that Muschamp was out, uh, you can do that. Um, we actually do have a, a free trial right now available. This is something we used to push on our podcast quite a bit. We're going to sort of bring this back uh, at least for, for a couple of days. Uh, if you use the code GCPOD, um, that will get you on with a 30-day free trial. If, you, if you're if you one of those people that's always been like, I'm not paying for my Gamecock news, you want to give it a shot without really having any skin in the game, this will be your chance. Put in GCPOD at checkout. There's a promotional code filled. If you just go to GamecockCentral.com, hit subscribe, it'll tell you the prices. But when you get to checkout, Put it in the code field, GC Pod. You'll get thirty days free, and you'll be uh, you'll be good to go there. Um, by the way, Kev Roche actually joining us Hard to on believe. the show for the first time. How long have we been doing this show? Three months now. Yeah, something like that. And and we have definitely, you know, there've been some hard times given to Kev via text message regarding his lack of appearances. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad that he's finally graced us with his presence. I'm very honored. How much are we paying for, for him to just show up, man? I mean, I, to, I, I don't know. I shudder at the bill that we're going to get. Gonna yeah, we've name dropped him before. I thought if we name dropped him, he would just poof and show up. I, I'll tell you one thing. I wish I had one of those shirts that he's selling on Twitter uh, to wear during the show. Those are pretty tight. Um, I don't know if you've seen those or not, by the way. Kev, uh, I'm trying to find what, what's your what's your Twitter handle at Kev Roche, but spelled how it sounds. K E V R O S A Y. Kev does a great job um, drawing stuff for ESPN. Uh, Scott Van Pelt um, has done some stuff, commissioned stuff with the Braves. He's got a book that he's an artist for. So Kev's the man. I'm I'm, I'm glad if Kev is joining the show, then. Um, we, we must be doing something right. Um, Matt asks our thoughts on Shane Beamer potentially holding out for VT. And I 
I don't really think that's something that South Carolina fans should waste much energy worrying about. Would you agree, Chris? Yeah, I would. Um, you know, if Virginia Tech, if Virginia Tech is already behind the scenes, have been uh, has been putting out some feelers in the coaching industry to to figure out if they moved on from Justin Fuente, you know, what it could look like, what their market could be like. Would Beamer be somebody that they reached out to? Indications we've gotten, yes, um, along with some other candidates. A lot of the typical guys that you've seen come up with searches around, you know, this region in the southeast, potentially Auburn, potentially Tennessee, whatever it may be, are guys that you would see come up there as well, uh, Beamer being one of them. And obviously the added sort of bonus there is that his father happens to be Frank Beamer, the legendary coach from Blacksburg. And so um, that said, the indications we've gotten are, even if it was an all things being equal situation, this is a place for a lot of reasons that, that Shane Beamer is very interested in being. You know, you got to consider uh, born in Charleston. I think his kids were born here. Uh, he's already coached here. His father, look, following your father at a place is not always an easy thing. You know, um, some people are interested in it. Some people aren't. Um, and so this has always been a job that Shane Beamer's eyed. And, and I do agree with you, Wes. I think it would be a situation where, if that scenario presented itself, we have no idea that it will. The timelines don't seem to even match right now. And Virginia Tech obviously still has a coach. Their timeline's probably pushed back. Um, so in, in that case, I don't think, like you said, I think you, you put it perfectly, probably not something to worry about right now. Well, and Chris, I think I think people have gotten a little ahead of themselves about VT in that, as you just said, they they still have a coach. It's it's been interesting. You have somebody like D'Angelo Hall, former uh, VT stud DB, sort of just publicly pushing for Shane Beamer, and it's like, well, y'all do have a current coach right now. That's kind of uh, I, I don't know about that look, but uh, Kyle says uh, he's jumping on the Colin Taylor coaching bandwagon. Um, Colin could be had for cheap according to sources, but problem would be I don't know if I trust him to pick out food for team meals because um, <laughs> that that's a very big deal on official visits when those are available again. Very big deal in the clubhouse as far as just keeping everybody happy. Um, his, his food takes are so bad. I think that that's a box that I'm not willing to go forward without it being checked. So that's probably why I would go against um, a Colin Taylor – uh, coaching deal. Um, Chris, you want you want to tell everybody about the game day chair real quick while I get uh, Justin Rowland queued up? Absolutely. So the game day chair, our primary sponsor here on GC Live, the daily show. We appreciate their support. Make sure you check those guys out as well. Uh, AffordableMedicalUSA.com. If you want to check out the game day chair, you can give them a call 803-926-1493. Ask for the game day chair, the maxi comfort cloud with twilight, a variety of Lounge positions, TV watching, lay flat, zero gravity positions, all at the push of a button and an awesome recliner experience to add to your man cave, your living room, wherever you want to put it. Out in your garage, doesn't really matter. Check out the game day chair from AffordableMedicalUSA.com. Links, if you're listening to the pod, should be in the description. If you're on YouTube, like we hope you are uh, streaming live, it is also in the description there. So make sure you check those guys out. So um, while I'm getting Justin up, interesting question here from uh, V Boyce um, on what is that Periscope? Who is this uh, coach's TJ Bronson? Obviously, it'll be a little different. They'll be hopping on a Zoom, right, or hopping on a regular call. Uh, yeah, Muschamp, you know, famously, somewhat famously, went and saw Bronson. Went and saw, um, of course, uh, Brian Edwards. Who, uh, if you're Beamer or you're the, you know, you're the coach, who, who are you reaching out to first, man? That, that was a really good question. As soon as I saw it come up, I sort of, my, my brain went a thousand different places, but I'm not, like, I'm not sure because you think in state, there's not like that one right. guy that you can point to, you know? I got, I got my answer. All right. What's yours? Let's hear yours. That maybe will spark something in my mind. Or it's it's Gunner Stockton, man. Well, yeah, okay. See, see, where I went is I went somebody in this current class. Yeah, that's where I went. But yeah, I, I got to agree with you there. 
Yeah. Which, which they, um, you know, if, if it, this is one thing we've talked about. Um, if you hire somebody like Shane Beamer, you probably just with him, you know, personally himself and some of his staff, um, and, and not to say Beamer's the only person that this would be the case, but you're going to have some connections to guys that you're you're already recruiting, you know. And and I think as far as Gunner goes, um, you know, I think Shane Beamer already already knows him um, from what I've heard, and uh, that that can be a little a little bit of help there as far as comfort level. Um, but but I. I, I tend to think there's going to be an interesting blueprint here because how how much time do you spend on 2021? How much time are you putting into we, – we talked about this, Chris. you got to put some time into your current – you're almost re-recruiting your current roster. Um, or for this – for the new staff, you're recruiting for the first time your current roster. You just have the advantage of them being already on your campus. And then past that – I think you obviously have to look ahead and uh, start looking ahead to the the class of of 2022 and uh, and the transfer market there. I, I see Justin uh, down there. Justin, give me a thumbs up if you're ready to roll, man. I'll bring you in. He is good to go. Let's bring him in right now. It is Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Justin, we appreciate the time, man. How's it going? It's great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, we're we're great. Um, in many ways, Justin, it feels like this has been. Uh, the longest season of all time. Um, in other ways, it, it kind of feels like it, it just started. So um, what has the experience, we'll start very broad, what has the experience been like for you uh, covering the, a team in, the, in a pandemic and, and what sort of the vibe been around the Kentucky football program in this very strange 2020 season? I mean, we have these internal de- deliberations as a, as a website staff about wh- why we're even at the games, why we're sending people to cover the games. What's the point when everything post game is on Zoom and going on the road? You're worried about safety. You don't know if you're going to travel 500 miles or somebody is and have the game canceled at the last minute. And Kentucky's dealt with everything that other teams have, you know, th- this long grind of a season without the typical July break and guys basically quarantining on campus with with an entire fan base bearing down on them and, and expecting them not to not to do anything selfish that could jeopardize everybody else and, and seniors. But at the same time, Kentucky's also had the, the, the tragic passing of offensive line coach John Schlarman and a couple of injuries that have just been been excruciating. And, and it just seems like it's been one body blow after another. And this week, Mark Stoops kind of kind of dropped a bomb that, that he wasn't 100% sure that the team would want to play in a bowl game. And I think they will, but just the fact that, that they're even having that conversation speaks to, to the challenges that they've gone through this year. Justin, you mentioned the injuries, and obviously most teams have dealt with some form or fashion of Injuries, opt-outs, COVID, contact tracing. Tell us where Kentucky is with all that as they head into the game this weekend. Um, it's tough to tell. They've kept a really tight lid on a lot of that stuff. They, they were missing about 18 guys each of the last two games against Alabama and Florida. Um, they really haven't been missing too many of their most key pieces uh, with the exception of Jamin Davis, who is is having an All-American kind of season at linebacker, and he he should be back. He should be good. And and running back Chris Rodriguez uh, missed a little bit of time, and he should be back, and he should be good. So you know you got quarterback Terry Wilson uh, should should be good to play. Uh, cornerback Kelvin Joseph has been one of the top playmakers on the team, and he did opt out this week. Said that he was going to focus on the NFL draft. Transferred in from LSU. Sat out last season. Has four picks really frankly an up and down season and he's going to be a one and done in Lexington. So maybe rub some people the wrong way that, that he's opted out after not, not being with the program for so long, but, but I suspect they'll be pretty much playing with a full deck. Justin, I, I feel like really for a lot of South Carolina's opponents this year, I've not had near as in depth of a vibe of what to expect um, between us focusing on a coaching search the last couple of weeks. Plus uh, just, Guys each week are in and out, like you said, and you never know who's going to be playing and who's not. So um, just speaking generally, I know Bobo kept mentioning the word physical. He's, you know, this is a very physical Kentucky team. That That's what he noticed on film. But um, what can you just tell us about this Kentucky team as far as 
their strengths, their weaknesses, and and now that you're you know looking at being towards the end of a full season, what what is sort of the the mo of, of this Kentucky team? Well, at their best, they're gonna they're gonna run the ball downhill and they're gonna push you around on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They got a pretty good front seven on defense. The defense is is a bend but don't break unit. Um, it's not gonna it's not gonna just knock you back on your heels on tape, but it, it's a group that's competitive most weeks. Um, the offensive line has been one of the best in program history for several seasons now. You know, but, but you got to admit it's been a little bit of a disappointing season. I think I think people assumed that Kentucky had a chance to go maybe six and four against a very difficult schedule because they brought back so many pieces from last year's team and the previous year they had won 18 games over the previous two seasons and they're going to finish three and seven or four and six and you know you don't know how much of that to chalk up to the to the tragedies that they've dealt with in the locker room. They're not running the ball as well as they did last year. Um, I, I think one of the reasons that they've struggled a little bit more than we've expected is everybody thought that with Bowden gone, they're going to move back to Terry Wilson at quarterback and there was going to be more balance on offense. But the, the passing game has been just as bad with a, with a real quarterback as there was out of the Wildcat last season. It's just it's weird. It's got to be one of the worst passing games in the country. Uh, but if you can't stop the run, they will run on you. And, and that's what South Carolina probably has to worry about. Yeah, no doubt that has been a struggle for South Carolina. You know, when you look at their body of work defensively with the run and then them being, you know, undermanned, you know, on the defensive line. To zoom out before we get back into, like, game scenarios for, for the game this weekend, a general view of the Mark Stoops era. You know, he's, he's done a really good job, in my view, of building that program over time. Is it ahead of schedule in your mind? Like, what was your – if we would zoom back out to – you know, when he took this job, what was your expectations? Have it, has it exceeded expectations? Has it exceeded fan base expectations of where they should be? Because this is his first head coaching job, I don't think anybody really knew what to expect. He's grown a lot as a head coach. I don't think he really knew what kind of program he wanted to have when he took over. He, he obviously knew how to put together a recruiting staff. Uh, I guess the big story of the Stoops era is Kentucky used to recruit, if you look at the national rankings on rivals in the 50s and 60s nationally, and there's really no excuse for an SEC team to do that. But that's just what they had always done. And now as a program, they're consistently in, you know, pushing for the top 25, top 30, top 35. Uh, so they're more in line with what you would expect of, of a middling, low middle, lower tier SEC team in terms of recruiting. So they've narrowed the talent gap. It took them a while to get things going off the ground. Um, and they really settled in on this power identity the past few seasons, moving away from the air raid of the early Stoops era. And that seems to have worked until this year. And I think the big conversation taking place uh, within the Big Blue Nation, and I think probably internally on the staff is, has football changed so much at every level, at the college level, that you just can't win without uh, a more dynamic passing game? And, and their struggles in the passing game seem to have caused the program to plateau this season. You're looking at next year, they got to replace a lot of key pieces, so it could be a rebuilding season. I think there's a real chance that they scrap what they've been doing on offense this offseason and try to catch up to the trend in the rest of the sport. But no question, he's done a great job. He's the second winningest program coach in program history behind only Bear Bryant. So, so yeah, he's exceeded probably most reasonable expectations. I know there there was some outside hype um, when, when Joey Gatewood gets there, transfers in. Um, what what is sort of the, I guess the thought of of him moving forward, and and is he sort of the guy next year, or that's not really uh, necessarily the case. That's not necessarily the case. They've got Bo Allen, who was a four star recruit and a true freshman on this year's team. Again, obviously he'll be a freshman next year also. And Allen is probably the better passer of the two. If you talk to people behind the scenes, they like the way he can look off defenders. He does some things, some, some things with intangibles in the throw game that they haven't had in a while. And I think they've been reluctant to get him more playing time this season because they just realized the whole passing game, especially the receiver position is so broken. They don't want to wreck a young guy's confidence by putting him in a bad position. Uh, Gatewood looked okay when he first went onto the field. I, I think it might've been the Missouri game. Um, mm -hmm. And then he, he really got thrown out there against Georgia, which was a tough position for him to be in. But he's not as far along as Allen in the passing game. He holds the ball for a really long time. I don't think he sees the field as quickly as the coaches had probably hoped. And I think they hoped that he was going to be a really physical runner, not a burner like Terry Wilson. But he really 
has struggled in the run game, frankly. He hasn't been really a dynamic athlete. I, it sounds like I'm down on him, but I think I'm reflecting uh, a lot of feelings uh, of fans and people around the program. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily Gatewood's program moving forward. Justin, about, about Mark Stoops, obviously defensive background that he brought to Lexington, but the, the personnel, the job he's done upgrading their personnel defensively, you know, big big physical front, you know, some long DBs. He's done a good job recruiting there. Tell us a little bit about that defense and just, you know, how they played this season, where they've been strong, where they've been vulnerable. It's a sound defense. It's it's a it's a SEC caliber defense. You're not going to just blow them off the ball. They got a big nose tackle, 360 360- pound Quentin Bohana who's missed a little bit of action with injury but he's tough to move up front and so you, you got to try to be balanced against them and and, and mix it up um, you can't be one-dimensional Josh Paschal uh, who had his own battle with cancer moved from Jack linebacker down to defensive end and he's been one of their better players as well really the breakout of the season has been Jamin Davis he was he was kind of a middling starter. He didn't even really begin to start until late last season. And then in this is redshirt junior season. He's come on and is one of the best linebackers in the country, probably is going to have a decision to make after this year. Really good, versatile, middle linebacker. Uh, and then back in the secondary, it was like the number two pass defense in the country by almost every metric last season. Um, and, and it's taken a little bit of a step back in part because they've played some really good passing games. Bo Nix and Seth Williams in the opener did really well. Matt Coral and, and Ole Miss, Alabama, Florida, uh, that's hurt the numbers. But it's sound defense across the board. You can't really look at one position unit and say this is where they're strong. They're pretty good at just about every spot. So around here, and I, I think it, it might just be a South Carolina thing, Justin, um, the weather has become a big topic of discussion for Saturday and how it's going to be super cold. I don't know. Last I saw, there, there's maybe a chance of snow. Um, South Carolina quarterback Luke Doty said he's literally never seen snow um, in person. <laughs> so, you know, it's – I don't know. Is that um, – I think that may be a factor on the South Carolina side. Is that um, – do you see that being a factor in, in this game from the Kentucky side? I mean, you got one of the most north, northernmost schools in the SEC in Kentucky. You're probably a little bit more uh, acquainted with – I wouldn't say frigid temperatures, but just maybe, maybe something more – resembling winter that could that could help um I don't know I, I just think there are a lot of variables that that I feel like we, we can break down the x's and o's in this game but it's really gonna come down to things that are tough to predict how is how is South Carolina in this transition are they going to come to play on the road last game of the year Kentucky been through a lot this season they've taken a couple of really tough losses in a row how are they going to respond on senior day I think there's a lot of intangibles that are just tough to predict in this matchup the weather is probably another one Justin, last thing I've got for you, man, just specific to the matchup. I think Kentucky, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, 11, 12-point favorite, somewhere around there, double-digit favorite uh, at home against the Gamecocks. Fair, not fair? What, where are you at with your assessment of, of maybe the line and how you could see this game playing out, bearing in mind that everything about this game is very, very tough to predict, but just based on what we know? I got to say, it's it's hard to imagine Kentucky being almost a two-touchdown favorite against an SEC team right now. I mean, this after watching what Vanderbilt did against them, I mean, Vanderbilt almost beat them. And Vanderbilt has been one of the worst teams in SEC recent history this year. I, when I saw, I haven't watched as much South Carolina as I've watched of Kentucky. When I've seen that line and I saw that line initially, I was like, wow, it must be, it must be pretty bad down there. Um, because we've seen this before from Kentucky. A couple of other times in the Stoops era, by the end of the season, when nothing is working on offense, the offense gets really ugly, like really ugly. Like they they had, I think, against Florida, which was the 65th total defense in the country, six consecutive three and outs, maybe seven consecutive drives without a first down. Um, it's it's a bad offense. And that's, uh, that's going to keep South Carolina in the game unless they shoot themselves in the foot. So I would be inclined to take South Carolina in terms of the spread, but I'll probably pick Kentucky to win a close one. And um, final thing for me as well, Justin, uh, what, what are your maybe keys to victory or just one or two main things you'd be focused on? And, and again, what will just be a, a difficult to predict game as it has been all year long, I think. I mean, if, if Kentucky can line up and just run the ball, if they can push them off the ball, I think they'll win. 
Um, but, but you know, if, if Kentucky comes out and they make a lot of penalties and they get behind down the distance, then this is not an offense that can move the ball. So I would say Kentucky has the advantage if, if they don't make a lot of mental mistakes with the caveat that they have made a lot of mental mistakes recently. So I would expect something low scoring, something ugly and something that could turn on turnovers and mistakes. Good stuff, man. As always, Justin, I know you're busy, man. We'll let you get back to it, but, um, appreciate the time. Um, Enjoy the game on Saturday. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Yep, have a good one. Uh, check out Justin's work at catsillustrated.com. You can get the Kentucky perspective of this game. And, and if you're a Kentucky fan listener or watching, you can get uh, Kentucky basketball coverage. It's obviously pretty important over there, Chris. Uh, but, uh, yeah, check out – as always, man, all of our guests have been very knowledgeable throughout the Rivals Network, I would say. And interesting stuff from there, man. I can't – so obviously we always learn something from these, Chris. And my, my big takeaway there, and I frankly have not watched really a whole heck of a lot of Kentucky at all this year. My big takeaway was um, the last thing he said and just how bad this Kentucky offense has been. Um, now you sort of put that across from the fact South Carolina's defense <laughs> is missing um, – Many of their best players up front. Right. Um, which one is worse, I, I think, is the question. You know, yeah. if, if if Kentucky can run the football against a depleted South Carolina front, then then maybe they, you know, maybe they score 28 points fairly easily and it's it's tough on South Carolina. If Kentucky continues to be – it sounds like they're bad even against – bad defenses, um, you know, it, it becomes a really low-scoring game. And then I think this this Luke Doty-led offense has shown enough ability to sort of create some plays at times, particularly playing a defense not near as fast probably as, as what they faced against Georgia, maybe a little more in tune to, to the Missouri game. Then maybe you say South Carolina's offense can get out you know, enough points to, to go win this game. And that, and that is the key. They're going to have to th- – this defense for South Carolina is going to have to play better up front than they have against most teams. Like, you look at Georgia, and, you know, we always think of Georgia's identity going back to the last game is run the football. But that's not even been necessarily their bread and butter this year, Georgia. But they gashed South Carolina. Now, to be fair, I mean, South Carolina was down several guys – um, you know, Rod Fitton, who has barely played this year, was their leading snap getter in that game. You know, he played 51 snaps at Buck, and and that's just not – I mean, several guys were out. But they're probably going to be down some guys again this game, or some guys are going to be banged up still if they do play. And so it's a question again. In Kentucky, we do know, has some capable backs. They have a big offensive line with a lot of experience. And so – the issue has they have not been very balanced this year and against teams that are pretty good or even not that great on defense they have struggled when they haven't been able to run it so if you're South Carolina obviously we say that we've said this every week they got to be able to slow the run if you can do that you'll have a better shot against Kentucky than you will against say Georgia or some of these other teams that are more dynamic at the quarterback position at the receiver position but look at Kentucky I mean they scored 10 against Georgia three against Bama they did score 35 against Vanderbilt, which, as Justin said, I mean, not a very good football team with Vandy. They scored three against Georgia, 10 against Missouri. They had a little bit more success earlier in the season, and it's sort of fallen off a cliff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been – it has been a weird season, and Kentucky's had a weird season as too from what I've observed because offensively they haven't been as good as anticipated, and I think their record reflects that. I think the expectations are a little bit higher. And we know about that here. You know, people didn't have super high expectations. But for us, with South Carolina, it was more of we thought the defense would be better, and it completely fell off a cliff. So they're seeing some of that in Lexington on the other side of the ball. Yeah, let's tie this all together with what we were talking about at the beginning, Kevin Harris and whether or not he gets to 1,000 yards and, and then tying it in with the keys to this game. Looking it up right now on cfbstats.com, which is my go-to quick stat website, uh, Kentucky allowing right at 152 yards per game on the ground. That is, I mean, almost right in the middle 
as far as uh, the conference goes. Eighth in the SEC. If you go with the uh, yards per carry allowed, 4.05. So that's seventh in the league. So right in the middle of the pack. I, I think um, obviously everybody, as far as individual awards and ending the year on a positive note, other than getting a win, I think getting Kevin Harris to 1,000 yards is one of the final goals for this team You know that is attainable. And you sort of look at that. I hate to go into your uh, – I hate to take your catchphrase from, from last year's podcast. It's going to be close. Um, those numbers those numbers alone, Chris, tell me that it, it's probably going to be right. I mean, it, it's probably going to go into the second half with us wondering, um, can, can Harris get to that number? But I, I would say if Harris does get that number and they're continuing to feed him and they're having success – that speaks to South Carolina's ability to also go win go win this football game. Um, obviously, with Kevin Harris, though, there all there's always a chance that he just breaks off a long one early. We've seen him do that and gets a big chunk of it and makes it a little bit easier on him. But if this is a grinded out game, I could see him being right around that seventy, you know, eighty, ninety yard mark or something individually in this game. Well, and he, here's a big thing. I, if I'm not mistaken, we haven't mentioned him. Shy Smith, mm-hmm. apparently on track to play. Huge for this team because even though Shy, every time he stepped on the field, is a marked man, everybody knows Shy Smith is, let's call it like it is, he's been the only legitimate receiving threat at receiver this year who's been consistent and has made plays. He's still made plays, even with everybody knowing that. At the very minimum, he's a guy you really have to account for and make sure that he doesn't beat you, and so that can potentially open up some other things for you. So um, he's in the game. That that helps you. That does give you another – a little bit more of an opportunity to go score some points. You know, my, the bigger concern, I think, heading into this game, it's obviously can South Carolina put up points. That, that's going to be the case against any team. But they've shown the capacity to do that to some degree. Even against Georgia, they put together – you know, they, as Spurrier said, they made some yards against against Georgia. They put up more points than some teams who were a lot less decimated put up than, against Georgia. I'm not saying it was a great performance. It was not. But it, it gave you a little bit of, okay, that they, they can go score a little bit, enough to go win at times. So the issue was the defense, as it has been all year. And then against Georgia, they really exploited it because South Carolina was so, so undermanned. What did they, they started the game with? I think two starters that started the first game on defense, um, just completely decimated and missing a lot of backups too. So that's the bigger concern is, are you going to let a Kentucky team that's really scuffled offensively come out and establish the line of scrimmage and run the football on you? If that happens, it's going to be a tough game to win for South Carolina. You you don't see this approach very often, Chris, but – if, if Kentucky is as bad – I mean, Justin used the word broken about their passing game. He said it's just broken. That that goes well beyond your quarterback. That's a pass protection. That's a receiver. That That's – if it's completely broken, I'm not so sure you don't just put – I mean, teams talk about putting eight in the box, you know, and, and when they say that, they mean you're just putting that extra safety up there. I'm not so sure you don't just put both safeties up there and – literally dare Kentucky to throw the ball down the field because that's not an approach that I think we ever would have seen. Well, must champ use where you're just putting everybody up there, but against a team that has struggled to throw the ball that much. And when your current team is probably going to get knocked back, at least at times, it's a pretty good Kentucky O-line in the run game, especially. I, I, I think there's a case to be made for that. Um, the other side, as you mentioned, Shai Smith, as uh, as our degenerates are talking about in the chat, this will be Luke Doty's first chance to go play with Shai on the field. This will be the first chance for Luke, Shai, and Nick Muse to then all three be on the field. And we've seen Nick Muse sort of, I would say, come on pretty strong since Doty has um, – has come on himself has started to be able to play because you see Luke look at him a little bit more. He's thrown the ball his way and uh, Nick, he had the early season drops, but we always have known Nick was a talented guy. 
And I think basically if if you look at Nick, he's a guy I think who feeds off getting the football as opposed to getting two targets for an entire 60 minutes. So, you know, there are maybe some things offensively that could come together for South Carolina in this game that have not quite been there before. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other thing with Muse is with Shy out for the Georgia game, you know, I think Mike Bobo looked at it and said, what is our game plan? You know, the, the way he put it is, I, I, you know, I'm trying to watch the tape and see how we can get a first down, which is a, a very valid concern against Georgia. And he looked at it and, and probably came to the conclusion of, okay, well, we play Luke Doty because he gives us a, a chance with his athleticism, obviously. And then my other guys are going to be Kevin Harris and they're going to be Nick Muse. Those are your other ones. So he schemed up some stuff for Nick Muse in that game that worked. It, it wasn't just a coincidence, right? I mean, credit Nick, credit Luke, but Mike Bobo also did a really good job of scheming that up. And I think he's done that a lot this year, you know, to give credit where it's due, where South Carolina has walked into every game this year with people knowing there are two guys in shy two to three and shy Kevin Harris. And then you count Muse who are getting the football. Those are the guys that you can't let beat you. And yet they've still been able to be productive. Kevin Harris, very productive. I mean, more productive than we've seen in a long time, you know, and shy Smith has also had a very good year. And so definitely having those three guys, it does give you some hope if you're a Gamecock fan you know, to to be able, like I said earlier, to go out there and, and score some points on offense. Yep. So we'll, uh, we'll of course, see if that happens. Um, I, I'm curious to see if the weather is a completely overblown me- media-generated discussion point or, or if it's a real thing. But I do know, I'm sure Under Armour is going to have them hooked up with some nice weather gear. But in the hotel before the game, hopefully – They've packed Chris their dead soxy socks, and um, if they do, they not only will have their feet warm, but they'll be feeling very, very comfortable um, as they're waiting for game day. I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to ask the guys at Dead Soxy this: Can you wear the Dead Soxy socks with cleats? Because of the patented no slip technology, you don't want your your socks slipping all around, and your that can cause issues. You know, injuries, foot injuries, ankles. Non-slip socks from Dead Soxy, which I actually have on right now, and they're very comfortable. Uh, Are they slipping? What's that? Are they slipping at all? Well, of course not. I mean, they are They are stuck. They are here. They're here to stay, but they are stuck, but they are very comfortable. And so here's the cool thing. You can get Dead Soxy's patented no-slip technology, their boardroom line, which is their dress socks, or their ankle no-show socks that you can wear like with tennis shoes. Uh, and you can get 35% off. You maybe just missed their buy one, get one free sale. If so, that's a bummer. Sorry. But you can still get 35% off. So go to deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com, and you enter the code HOLIDAYPRO. Wes just put it up there on the screen for those of you that are on the stream. Go there and you'll get 35% off your entire order with Dead Soxy. So appreciate their support of the show. Make sure you get yourself some awesome socks from Dead Soxy. John on the old Facebook says, what is an accurate 40-yard dash time for Lucas Doty? I would say he's a 4-5 guy, right? That's um, I think that's safe to say. He's actually straight line, one of the fastest guys on, on the team. So uh, that, that sort of gives you an idea. Um, let's see. See if we got any other questions that I may have missed. I don't think we do. Um, yeah, I don't see any more. So, uh, re- recruiting-wise, uh, by the way, if y'all haven't seen it, Chris, did you see the way that Sam Reynolds' team won a state championship last night? I did. That was insane. Yeah, so if, if you haven't seen it, um, you can see it on our Twitter, twitter.com slash Gamecock Central. You can see it on GamecockCentral.com. Free story. Um, go on there, check it out. Basically, his team was down by down by nine with less than 30 seconds to go. Blocked a punt 
returned the blocked punt for touchdown, got the onside kick, actually got um, two, I think two uh, PIs called, and then hit a field goal that, I mean, went in by <laughs> by like a foot as time expired to come back and, and win the game. Dude that blocked the punt, blocked it, and scooped and scored it. Do, doing work. Good stuff. Do you know what kind of game Sam had in that game? Did you see any stats on him? I, could, I couldn't I find seen, stats. I haven't seen it either yet. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, Thompson, man, great. I think undefeated season for them. Yes. But of course, yeah. out, they, they've been outstanding all year. And uh, so, yeah, Sam Reynolds has had a nice season for them as well. Let's see. Uh, somebody said Luke is faster than a four or five. Shy Smith runs a four or two. Uh, no, no offense, but I, I, I'd love, I'd love to see anybody get out there and and run an actual four or two. Um, I think that is a case of inflated forty yard dashes as opposed to like legit NFL testing laser. 40. Now, Shy is clearly, I would say, if not the fastest, one of the fastest couple of guys on the team. So he sets he sets the standard for South Carolina. And, and I actually, I hope Chris that Shy gets a combine invite because I I don't know what Shy would run, um, but I, I would love actually love to see that. I think he'll put up a good time. You know, last year just for a comparison point. Um, you know, two SEC guys actually ran the fastest times uh, last combine. Zedrick Woods from Ole Miss, um, who was last seen in 2018 out there saving touchdowns for, for Ole Miss in that Carolina game, running guys down from behind. He ran a 4-2-9, and Jamel Dean, who was a corner at Auburn, ran a 4-3. And those times are not times you could call typical. Those are really, really fast. Um, you know, another guy – I mean – Curious to see what J.C. Horn will run, too, if he decides to run at the combine. If he, I've been picking up some stuff from scouts that if he if he runs well uh, at the combine, that he's potentially going to solidify himself as a first-rounder if he runs well enough. Um, all right, so we've got a couple more questions. Greg wants to know when we're going to have another uh, you versus me 40-yard dash. Mm-hmm. Um, next not, summer. Yeah, yeah, next summer. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And great. Oh man. Question of the day. Officially, question of the day from Jayhawk on YouTube. Who has the cooler name? Kentucky's Cavassier Smoke. Is that how you spell? It? Is that how you say that? I think it is. I think it is. Um. V. Taka Hemingway. Two world class, all American type, uh, all name teams right there. I don't. I don't. I can't go against Tonka, but Smoke is a pretty awesome name as well. So, complete yeah. cop-out answer. I'm giving him a tie. <laughs> I got to get Smoke's the cooler name because it's it's both Hemingway. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a good name. It's just fairly unremarkable. You got with Cavassier Smoke, you have a double, like double awesomeness in that name. So that's I would go with that. Most of most of the degenerates are going with with smoke yeah. as well. Um, all right, let's close it out, man. Brandon says, uh, "Yeah, I agree. The new coach will be named Sunday." I'm thinking Ray is waiting for the season to be over. Christopher, uh, it could be. It could be Sunday. It could be Monday. I mean, you know, but it, it still depends on a variety of factors. There are certain logistical things that have to take place. Once the process gets wrapped up, there's still some questions to be answered. And so uh, I couldn't point to a day and say, yeah, it's going to be Sunday or yeah, it's going to be Monday. I I do think by this weekend, at least behind the scenes, there's going to be a, you know, a clarity on direction and then things will start building towards getting ready to make an announcement. But, you know, I I couldn't say with any level of certainty, you know, when that's going to be, or if it's definitely going to be Sunday, I do think it'll be soon. Yeah. I think Sunday is just a very specific day when, but I think the general thought process of, of around then is kind of, is kind of safe to say, 
Uh, my buddy Jason Brown wants to know who would win a 40-yard dash between me and MC Brown. I would smoke MC Brown in a 40-yard dash. I can promise you that. Um, Brandon wants to know Tim Tiakabatuka, the former Panthers running back, all-time, all-name team. Um, and Greg, yeah, we'll hit one more. Greg says, what are your thoughts on the ability of a staff to fill out the roster with transfer portal at receiver, maybe a left tackle? I think, Chris, that has to be the approach. Um, I don't even know if I stop there. If there, if there's a linebacker that I think can help, if there's a DB I think can help, if there's a pass rusher I think can help. We have seen, um, what would you say? I mean, Arkansas going and getting Felipe Franks and finding a quarterback in the portal. Um, Rutgers, they they brought in a bunch of transfer. BC brought in some transfers to and have sort of been able to keep themselves ahead of the normal schedule as far as what you think of a rebuild being. You have to be careful, I think, as far as building your culture of – you don't want to build a team around a lot of short, short-term options, right? Mm-hmm. But people aren't patient anymore on waiting on you to win. Yeah. And as glaring as some of the holes on this roster are, I would also say there are some positions where you have some guys to build around. So if you can go, I would say, and get multiple receivers that could come in and help you, that could go a long way towards having an offense that could go from struggling this year to to being potentially pretty decent next year. Yeah, I think the one caution in terms of the transfer portal, yes, South Carolina needs to utilize it. I think um, it would be huge if they could plot a few guys who can really help you out of it. But, you know, the questions to be answered are who's in there, can they help you, and – what's the competition like? I mean, South Carolina is not the only school, like, man on an island looking around going, I think we'll use the transfer portal this year. You know, like, even some big-time schools may look around and say, let's utilize the transfer portal. I mean, Florida brought in, you know, Trayvon Grimes a while back, you know, and Van Jefferson. This was last year. You know, uh, Ole Miss got Kenny Yeboa. You know, I mean, there's some schools that – um, even if they have a good offense or good defense, they may look to add a piece and maybe some of those schools are brand name schools and um, you're going to have competition, you know, so it, the, the transfer portal is not going to be like just the recruiting marketplace in general, you know, high school and junior college. It, it's a little tougher there. Um, you have to find guys that are, that are the right fit. You have to still battle other schools for them. Sometimes how many guys are out there, and so you don't want to stake your entire strategy for next season or in the future on the transfer portal. But that said, it does need to be part of it, if at all possible. And then it's tough to balance all your numbers, you know, in your regular recruiting class. So it's, it's going to be a, an interesting task. All right, y'all. I think that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, we'll be back on Friday, I believe, 2 p.m. to get sort of close out the week, talk a little bit more about the game. We'll give you, of course, a Friday coaching search update heading into the weekend as well. Uh, appreciate Justin Rowland for joining us. Appreciate all of you for joining us as, as well. Remember that if you want to get on GamecockCentral.com and you're not a subscriber, come check us out. Uh, the code is GCPI. That'll get you 30 days free. You can read all of our coaching search updates. And uh, once again, appreciate Dead Soxie. Check them out, DeadSoxie.com. And appreciate our title sponsor um, at Affordable Medical Equipment. Check them out, AffordableMedicalUSA.com, home of the game day chair. Chris, uh, you got anything else, man? No, appreciate everybody joining today. Had fun, and uh, let's do it again soon. Yeah, we'll do it again. Uh, For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you soon.